From the highways and the byways of sleepy Somerset in England, welcome to Spike's Podcast, where we reflect on the joy of running amidst the joy of life. Colors play, colors make Hi everybody. Well, what's this? A second Spikes podcast so soon? Actually, you'll tell that I'm not huffing and puffing, so I'm not out running. I'm actually sat at my desk and um, just been listening to a long input from Honest Jim. Um, and that input is going to be this podcast because uh, it's a great story of uh, Jim's efforts on the, on the 100 mile that he took part in recently. Um, I don't want to say a great deal. You'll hear the the story comes in two parts. The first is a short recording that Jim made on the on the morning of the event before he started, and uh, and I think you'll you'll sense the um, the slight tension and nervousness in his voice. And then the greater part of the story is told after the event. Um, it's a story of uh, triumph and tribulation and and humour and and not a little pathos. Um, I th- I'm sure you will enjoy it as much as I did. So I'm not going to say any more. This is going to be Jim's podcast, and uh, thanks, Jim, for submitting it. This is Jim's story of towing the line. Hi, Peter, and all the Spikes listeners. Uh, it's the morning of the Ultra. Um, what is it? It's about six in the morning. Um, at home at my hotel, uh, it's only about half a mile-ish from the start, uh, from where we have to go and have our kit check-in in a little while. I've uh, been pretty nervous uh, for this one, uh, sort of memories of my first marathon sort of spring to mind. Um, so yeah, kit check-in, um, where they'll go through all my uh, kit that they state you have to have for the run, uh, everything else is up to me. Um, but, um, yeah, the usuals, um, uh, waterproof map, uh, head torch, uh, one base layer that's kept in a waterproof bag that I'm not allowed to touch unless it's emergency, uh, a phone, um, emergency contact numbers. Um, I'm sure there's a few other things, uh, that sort of slipped my mind, but I've got, I've got it all. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm going to slowly get ready now. Um, about to sort of tape up my feet um, <sighs> yeah pretty, pretty nervous this one um, it's not really well it is a mixture of the distance and the mixture of the preparation I've put in um, <sighs> previous runs previous ultras where I've done a lot of training I haven't really been worried um, but this one I literally haven't run properly. <laughs> I've done about two decent runs in the last seven weeks, which is crazy. Um, I've tried to keep my uh, physio up by pool walking. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to go. I'm going to go slow, so it's not like I'm going to be out of breath. Um, I think what will hurt on me is just the amount of time on feet I haven't had. So that is going to hurt. But, you know, hey, it's an ultra. You know you're going to hurt, so, you know, that won't come as a surprise. Um, I think it's when it gets to the 60, 70, 80 miles um, that it's really going to start to tell um, on on my lack of training. Um, My wife thinks I'm nuts doing it, um, but, you know... I. 
I don't know, the nine nine voices out of ten sort of tell me you should have um, DNS sort of like you know did not start for this one. Um, but that's it's the one voice you know in me that thinks it's a stubborn, very stubborn voice, um, and it outranks the nine others, and that's saying do it. Um, so, anyway, this is a short little one. I'm sure Peter might be able to squeeze all these recordings in together. Um, I've got a I've got a run buddy, um, so we're gonna sort of help each other. This woman sort of wanted to uh, join up with me. Um, I don't really know. I know online uh, we have done uh, one race together before, although I didn't really, I didn't see her at that race. Um, but um, She's a little bit anxious. I, I, quite a lot of people sort of buddy up on this one because certain parts parts of the course, um, I think, are a bit sort of I don't want to say dangerous, but sort of worrying because you're on the Thames path um, all night. It's not a place you'd hang out on your own, um, really. And so I think a lot of the women try and buddy up for the night stage. Um, there's certainly um, a bit where you're. Uh, on on the Thames path at like two or three in the morning, and you've got a lot of pubs and clubs, sort of chucking out that's close um, to that area. What help I'll be at that time in the morning? <laughs> I've no idea. Um, so, yeah. So I hope she's not um, uh, expecting anything amazing. If there's anything that happens, I, I I don't think I'll be good for anything at that time of night. Um, but uh, maybe I could shine my head torch in someone's eyes. Yeah, they would do do that. So. I'm going to sign off now. Um, I don't think I'll record during the run, um, and, um, but I will record uh, after the run now. As I said before, initially I was hoping for a sub-24. That's out of the window. That's out of the window. That's like me trying to run a I mean, two-hour 30 marathon. Um, so it's just a finish. It's just a finish. Um, there is tracking. Um, if you go on to... Uh, the Centurion page uh, people are tracking me um, I, I know this might, this isn't live so it'll be done by the time you actually listen to this um, but uh, yeah I've got a few people tracking me on Facebook <sighs> so yeah fingers crossed catch you on the other side bye bye hi Peter and uh, all the Spikes listeners it's um, James here, Honest Jim. Uh, it's a week later. Uh, it's actually a Friday. So uh, six days um, after the finish of the Thames Path 100. And uh, I'm, if you hear any background noise, I'm basically just um, stuffing down some chocolate orange. Um, that's basically, I think, what I've all done all this week. Um, <laughs> eat um, and eat and basically more eating um where to start oh dear many people advise me not to run this race uh, i've been injured as you know for some time and not been able to train i'd been to my doctors and physio in for, who both informed me that my mis meniscus in my knee next to my cartilage was wearing thin on the inside resulting in pain feeling like the bone was rubbing which i I think I mentioned in the last podcast. But the question was to DNS, did not start. It's true what people say about the DNS. It's a gutsy, difficult decision. 
I wasn't able to defer my, defer my place. And then my hotel was non-refundable, but that was really an excuse to carry on with it. But surely I, could, I should consider my long-term health and well-being. But to DNS? There was no way that was going to happen. Now the race is done with hindsight. Should have I accepted defeat and DNS? No way. With barely any training in my legs, I headed towards Richmond in London on Friday before race day. Race start was 10am Saturday morning. My wife had generously given me a lift to Richmond, as I'm sure she thought with my ability, or lack of it, if I ever had to use the tube and the underground on my own of about four different changes, I'd never be seen again. So she took me to Richmond, London, where I checked into my hotel. I have a splendid Georgian-looking hotel, only half a mile from the race start. My wife later commented as we walked into Richmond for tea and coffee that I was already limping. I knew that, but... I was still hoping for some of that race day magic where you put all your race day kit on and you turn into the athlete you know you can be. Anyway, my wife departed and left me. I left her home. The plan was that she'd, she and my son would meet me at the finish line on, Sat on Sunday in Oxford. I'm afraid I wasn't very sociable after that. I checked out the Facebook page group where there was a fair bit of banter. One chap said that he was in a pub in Richmond if anyone wanted to join him. I was tempted, but I was also tired, so I thought an early night would be the best option. I slept well. I woke early, but that doesn't matter. I got some decent rest. Now it was time to get my race head on. No more negativity. Only positive thoughts. The word knee was now banned. I find that in certain situations a complete disregard of all the facts and truth can help. So, as far as I was now concerned, everything was perfect. Health, fitness, training, knee, perfect. I taped my toes and then Vaseline the rest of my feet. I strapped the band word, also known as knee, applied copious amounts of lube, didn't want that famous chaffing incident of 2015 making a reappearance. My plan was to have an easy walk to the race headquarters in Richmond Town Hall where a kit inspection takes place and you receive your race number. The, oblig the obligatory kit items were a bagged uh, dry compression top for emergencies, a foil blanket, whistle, map, two times 500ml bottles, hat, gloves, fully charged mobile phone, head torch and backup torch. The backup torch would later on prove to be a lifesaver. Sorry for the pre brief pause there. Um, I'll admit, I wrote that first bit down, um, and so as we're going off notes. Now, 
it's um, going off the top of my head, so I'm sorry if there's lots of uhs. Uh, I do like to, I sometimes listen back and think, oh no, stop saying uh, James, uh. <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll continue. After a little walk down to um, the Richmond headquarters, um, there we go, town set, uh, the town hall, um, there was lots of uh, runners, sort of ultra runners, hanging around, not hard to see, with the calf sleeves, bright coloured calf sleeves hanging around, and a lot of um, race helpers as well, and some marshals sort of pointing you in the right direction. Um, one thing about Centurion events, um, the... Uh, business that put this on is they are so friendly they're not a big corporate no face sort of giant who's just in it for the money these guys give the personal touch all the marshals really um i think they have a round about 60 or 70 odd marshals and helpers throughout the day these are all runners um and they for, for giving up their time, they'll get free entry into next year, which works brilliantly. They know what you want and when you require it. Uh, so every aid station you go in, they are super efficient, super friendly, and they'll be doing the same next year and receiving it. So they just know what to give. They're brilliant. Um, so I walked into um, the headquarters, uh, was was directed upstairs, and... Um, yeah, sort of a lot of smiley, nervous sort of faces hanging around. Um, I got upstairs and um, I'd sort of hadn't packed all my kit because I knew I had to. I'd have to take it out, so um, I'd actually left it in my main sort of bag that where they were going to transport it to the finish for me, just in a carrier bag. So it was really easy for me then on the kit check just to dump it all on the table. Uh, them sort of look at it and go, yeah, great. Uh, they gave a little uh, inspection of my head torch and um, backup torch just to see if it was bright enough. Uh, and that was it. They gave me a little um, poker chip uh, that then I could take on um, and receive my race number. So um, once I'd done that, I sat down and um, put everything in its right place in my bag. And uh, yeah, I sort of drifted outside um, into the um, hallway. And that's when I bumped in uh, to um, Alexandra, the um, girl I'd sort of um, met at a couple of events and um, we'd agreed to sort of run this together. Um, she had a late entry into the event. Um, I think she'd been training for the Chester Ultra previously, um, but we're really only literally six weeks. So, But she was race fit, but um, six weeks sort of notice um, and this race had sort of popped up. She'd had her name on the waiting list. And um, which I'd recommend you do if you ever want to do this race. I mean, only 300 people get in, but as far as I'm aware, all the people on the waiting list actually got in because of, I don't know, people backing out or, or injuries, which I think uh, are quite numerous when people are training for this sort of distance event. Um, so I met her, um, like I said, we'd, we'd won... We'd done one uh, previous event together, although really only seen each other uh, in passing. Um, but then we'd become Facebook friends and, you know, what this social media is like. You, you, you feel like you almost know um, people. And she'd been looking for someone to run with. Um, quite e an easy pace. Um, and I'd, I'd agreed because my training hadn't gone perfectly. And, uh, yeah, I thought, what, why not? But um, now the thing is with Alexandra... She's only 22, which is um, incredibly young. 
uh, for uh, an ultra runner. So I think you'll all agree. Um, and I think uh, she uh, wanted um, some company on the race because some of it, I mean, you, you're going along the Thames path and you're looking to be out there at two, three, four in the morning. Um, so I think a lot of uh, the runners, not just females, but a lot of the runners try and buddy up um, just for a little bit of safety. And uh, she, uh, want, I mean, she, she was quite a target because she is um, a real stunner. <laughs> um, she uh, she actually looks um, a bit like a Lara a Lara Croft uh, lookalike, um, which it was quite funny actually because a couple of days before I thought I I, I better better show my wife a photo of this um, uh, lady I'm running with. Um, just in case she sort of, you know, see, sees a photo later and thought, hey, uh, who's this you're running with? And so I showed my wife, I said, oh, th this is uh, this is Alex, this is who I'm going to run with. And, um, oh, look, here's a, here's a boyfriend, she's got a boyfriend, so that's okay. And and my wife just started to laugh. And I, I thought, what, 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 what are you laughing for? You know, what, what, you, what, what, what are you laughing for? And she said, um, oh, I wonder if her, her boyfriends looked through all the profiles of the other runners, chose you because... You're the least like likely person to to actually sort of make a play for her, and I, <laughs> and and you're the you're the safe person. That's what she said. Um, she said, yeah, you're you're the your your profile and your image it should be safe with you. I thought the cheek. <laughs> so, <laughs> so so my 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 days of um. Uh, being a bit of a Lothario um, in my wife's eyes uh, are well and truly gone. So she found that quite amusing um, that they, they saw me as a safe option. Um, later on, I I would feel quite fatherly um, towards Alex when she was going for a really rough spell. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess they were all correct. Um, but um, anyway, I sat down next to Alex and her fella, and um, we were sort of chatted, you know, um, pre-race nerves and all that. Um, and there was um, three other guys chatting with us, uh, one who would join us as well uh, for the majority of the run, um, and that was his name was Rick. Um, he's um, talk about meeting meeting someone for the first time, and on a race, by the end of it, you feel like you've known him for like twenty years, um, and you just feel you know so close to runners. We're we're so lucky to sort of share this um, love for running that brings us closer together as people, uh, really from very different backgrounds, but it's, it certainly breaks down the barriers. Anyway, so we're all chatting, chatting away. Um, Alex was, was pretty nervous, um, and I think her nerves uh, would um, dictate her performance in the race, which in turn, did actually have an impact on my race as well. Um, but I'm getting ahead of myself anyway. Um, but um, we uh, wandered wandered around, you know, round near the start. I whizzed down to um, a uh, little shop where I got myself a sausage sandwich and um, uh, uh, clearly the uh, uh, food of champions. And, um, yeah, I had that sort of milling around near the start. And uh, Rick had found me. And he sort of sat down, and we sort of just chatting. Really, uh, we done our um, we had our bags to um, check in. One to the lorry that was just going to the finish, and then you actually have two. You allowed two um, sort of uh, shoe bag size um, 
uh, bags which you're allowed to drop. One at halfway, which is Henley, and uh, two at the 85 mile uh, mark, which is uh, Clifton Hamden. And um, really, you're sort of meant to put in uh, just personal things for you. Um, I think I had a change of socks in there, um, some um, muscle uh, freeze spray that I thought I'd need for my muscles and especially my knee um, I had some jelly in which would absolutely prove to be lovely later on um, what else did I put in uh, I can't remember now uh, a few just a few little personal things to you um, but um, yeah not really necessary because the aid stations were so well stocked uh, I think if it had been wet yes you would have needed a bit of kit there to change into dry things um, but the way it was, um, it, it wasn't wet. It was hot. Um, all week, the um, weather forecast, I don't know about you, but I think I checked the weather forecast, God knows how many times, probably about six times a day <laughs> in the build-up uh, to race day. And the weather forecast was changing, changing, changing. It went from sleet and snow at the start of the week to very wet. And on race day, it was warm and dry, um, and I won't I won't say hot, but it but it did feel hot as we as we were running later on. But but as a result, a lot of people had gone for a sort of warmer option of clothing, uh, which certainly made us a bit toasty uh, on on the on the Saturday itself. And um, one of those people was certainly my um, my friend Alex. She'd gone for some compression long trousers, but she also had compression. Um, calf sleeves as well and she'd gone for an off-road um, trainer uh, which proved pretty pretty painful for her um, because it was hard enough although it's a good majority of trail it was hard enough to go for sort of cushioned road shoes uh, which I'm very pleased I'd done um, but uh, anyway we, we had um, uh, a great uh, race briefing on the Thames in front of Richmond Hall where the team of Centurion sort of um, introduced themselves, asked how many people, it, it was their first uh, 100, uh, quite a lot of hands went up, and then how many people had done multiple hundreds, a lot of hands went up there. The oldest guy in the race, I believe, was mid sort of 70s, and they said as long as he finishes, he's won his age group, because he's the only one. Uh, I think the youngest uh, was a guy who was 22, um, pipped, Alex to the youngest sort of spot. She was certainly youngest female. Um, but um, so, yeah, that was it, really. We all sort of um, stood at the start line. And uh, I can't remember what. I think it was a sort of um, sound klaxon sort of sounded. And uh, we were off. Um, straight away, I was running too fast, as usual, just going with the masses. And um, Alex sort of, you know, reined that in, which, which I thought was... Um, Really, really sort of helpful because uh, I would have just gone off with a, with a group doing a sort of 10 minute mile, which, although doesn't sound fast, when you're sort of, you know, looking at 103 miles ahead of you, you know, it is, it, it is a bit, a bit on the quick side. Um, so, yeah, so, so, so we sort of um, adopted a, a walk run strategy quite early on, um, which, which, you know, worked out really well. Um, the way the Thames Path races, there's um, 14 different checkpoints. Now, at the checkpoints, they all offer, you know, the basics, um, you know, where you've got uh, 
water, obviously, um, Coke if you want it. Um, some had hot drinks. A lot have sandwiches, fruit, nuts, um, some chocolate, um, some um, sandwiches and things like that. Um, so I've just got to pause it. I've got a phone going. So I'm back. Don't you just hate it? When the phone rings, you run down to it. And then as soon as you get there, uh, the um, phone goes dead. Um, it's probably only a silly sales call anyway. I seem to get millions of those, or not a sales call, but doing some sort of survey. Um, anyway, yeah, so um, at the A station, yeah, I'll have a lot of wraps with um, sort of cheese, peanut butter. Um, some of them had cakes um, that the uh, marshals had baked. Some had homemade scones. Um, really was, you know, you didn't really need much of your own food. Um, had a lot of dark chocolate as well, that was lovely. Um, had hot food, like I said, at um, some of the major aid stations. Um, not 100% sure what it was, I didn't, I didn't eat it. Um, but, um, yeah, so, anyway, the first, the first aid station is 11 miles away. Um, and then, so that's Walton on Thames. Uh, now, 11 sort of ticked off quite nicely. Alex was already struggling, um, knowing that she'd got the wrong shoes on and knowing that she'd got too much uh, on in way, in terms of sort of lower clothing um, with the heat. Um, I obviously offered to um, help, help her take some of it off, um, but she, she seemed to be um, going to push on, um, ever the gentleman. Um, but um, yeah, she was going to push on. Her fella was going to meet her, I can't remember what aid station it was. Uh, it was either 22. Two, the, the one after that was Raysbury or Dorney, which is at thir just over 30 miles. But it was one of them where she was, you know, I think going to make a sort of change. Um, I can't remember what she, what she, what she did, actually. Um, she might have taken her calf sleeve off. I don't know. I mean, I, I said just put them down on your ankles. That's what I'd done with mine. But I think that was too tight around her ankles. Um, mine, my, my, my calves are enormous. Um, so my ankle, when I put my calf sleeves down onto my ankles, they're, they're, they're very loose. Um, but um, also her trainers um, were giving a lot of jip, getting, getting hot spots early because um, uh, of her choice in trainers, which, which sort of proved, proved wrong. Um, so a lot of my sort of first, uh, first bit of the race, I, I did feel um, Alex sort of needed a bit of mental... Um, Propping up because you know uh, race just didn't seem to go very well for her. Um, a couple of decisions sort of nagged at her, but um, we did really get on well as a bunch. Um, we all sort of there, there was there was actually four of us in the end because um, uh, another uh, lady had joined up with us and we were sort of um, Jilly. Her name was um, again. I'd sort of met her on social media and at a couple of events. And um, so we were sort of running along, the four of us, taking it in turns to run, you know, next to each other and find out all about each other. And the miles were ticking off nicely, really nicely. We were all comfortable. I think Alex had changed her, her shoes and was a lot happier with that. Um, so, yeah, we sort of ticked off nicely. I mean, we got through Dorney at um, 30 miles. That come and went. Uh, and then next um, step stop is about eight miles away. You have to go to Cookham. Um, and again, we, it was hot. I mean, you're running along the Thames, gorgeous houses, uh, lovely riverboats, uh, a lot of wildlife. So it was a really pretty scene, but it was warm. Um, and 
I didn't even have a sun hat. <laughs> I, I think I had a rain hat, <laughs> um, but I didn't even put a sun hat in or glasses, and I really would have loved that at the time. So, um, how was I doing? Um, my my knee was aching already, which was proving to be a bit of a problem. Um, and but I didn't I didn't sort of admit that to anybody because that was the band word knee. Um, so, but. I thought, well, it, it's not a surprise. It was going to hurt. Um, but the rest of me was doing pretty good. So I thought, well, you know, just, just sort of see how far you can go. Um, I did feel unfit. Um, I went into this race having really not run. I'd run a couple of times in the last sort of eight weeks. And um, my fitness was a bit of a problem. We were going slow enough for me to sort of, um, you know, blag it. But... I was, my heart rate was going much too fast for the speed we were doing, and um, and I was also blimmin' hot. I'd, I'd got a compression top on, um, I took a t- I'd had a t-shirt on as well over that, and I'd, I'd have took that off at one of the um, aid stations, um, so I was just running in, in a quite a warm compression top, um, and I thought, well, it's not too, it's, it's sort of, I can, if, as long as I can bear it, uh, I'll get to an aid station, and I'll swap it round and I'll put a t-shirt on and I'll just get rid of my um, uh, compression top. And, um, and, I, and I sort of did that and cooled down and, and yeah, I thought this is okay. Um, I'd say after about the 38 mile uh, mark, we were sort of doing a lot more sort of speed walking, um, followed, you know, with a bit of a mixed in um, sort of jogging. Now, I must say, this actually, although at the time I thought it was good because we were keeping up with a lot of runners around us, you sort of um, leapfrogged each other a lot, this actually sort of really done me in. Um, Alex and Rick had a great walking speed. Um, I really struggled to stay with it. I've only got little legs. If, if anyone's met me, I'm about five, five foot six and a half, don't forget the half. And um, I, my little legs was struggling to keep up the speed they were walking at. And um, as a result, I kept, um, really had to stride out and I could feel the um, pressure on my hamstrings of having to stride out. That would later have a bad effect on me. Um, so I'd sort of drop back from them. Uh, I'd allow myself to drop back about 50, 60 feet, and then I'd slowly jog and catch up. Then I'd drop back again, and then I'd slowly catch up again, try and keep up, uh, walking my hardest, and drop back, and then run, and so on, and so on, and so on. What I probably should have done then is say, look, this this isn't working for me. Uh, A slow jog would have been a lot easier. Uh, rather than this killing myself trying to walk at this speed, but anyway, we 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 carried on. So after cooking, we've gone about forty-four miles. I get to Hurley, um, and after that, it's the fifty-one mark. It's um, Henley, where by now it was getting dark. We originally wanted to get into Henley just before it sort of got dark, but um, by this stage, it was dark. Uh, you have to go out with your head torch and your backup torch anyway. Um, I thought, well, it's only about uh, an hour or so, probably less of darkness before I got into Henley. So I thought rather than get my head torch out of the back of my pack, um, I'll just go with my um, torch, which was you know a small torch. And it was enough um, to sort of get me halfway. 
Um, when I got to Henley, I swapped out my uh, watch. I haven't got an amazing super duper uh, watch that sort of would last the entire run. So I'd borrowed my wife's um, sort of cheapy sort of Garmin watch up until halfway. It actually hadn't even lasted halfway, but but it was it was enough with people around me. I could sort of ask them, you know, what distance we're on. Um, so I had my fully charged um, GPS watch to um, put. I put in my kit bag, so I put that on. Um, what else did I do? Um, I think I had a, a little bit of food, um, but yeah, not too much else. I don't think. Um, I, yeah, I, oh, I picked up my jelly, because I had some jelly, and I actually put that in my pack, which I'd have later on, because I wasn't desperate for it then, and, uh, yeah, I mean, there were a few people sort of halfway, we'd heard that a few people had already dropped out, uh, there was a few people really feeling it, and really sort of upset um, on how on how the rate their race had gone and, and a few people looked a bit broken um one one guy was sobbing into his hands and um uh, he, so I, I can't I, I i sort of gently sort of um you know touched his shoulder and said look you know have a cup of tea and sort of you know sit here for 10 minutes and see, see how you feel before you sort of you know quit you know but he was uh unconsolable he was but um yeah so i at Henley, uh, Alex's other half, Tom, was there. Um, he was sort of like leap, leapfrogging all over the place in a car, doing a great job uh, for her support. And um, she was chatting to him, and I actually said to um, Rick, look, I'm, I'm, I'm going to push on here. Um, you guys are faster than me anyway. And he said he, said he was going to stick with her. So I thought, right, I'm, I'm going to go, because this walking as fast as I can and then catching up and still not being on it's killing me i can't do it so i i said to her look are you are you okay and she she was fine with me sort of um going on at, at that stage um so when i left i it was dark i was ready for a night um i was on my own i really didn't want to run the night on my own purely for navigational reasons um i got the map out had it in my hand and that's when I started a slow jog. Now, that was uh, 51 miles, Henley. Um, so I pushed on um, into the darkness. Now, you got... The, they, they came and they went. The, the, you know, I actually really enjoyed the dark. Uh, I didn't think it was going to. Um, apart from getting lost a few times, which added a couple of miles on... Um, the um, miles sort of ticked off nicely. Um, Reading's next, the aid station, uh, 58 miles. And then you've got Whitchurch. Now, Whitchurch was a bit tricky to find. It's quite a lot off the Thames. Um, so I had my map and uh, you have to go through a bit of a, if I, if I remember correctly, a bit of a housing estate. Um, that was quite hard to find. But um, it, it was okay. They do mark the route. Um, but when you're sort of on your own and it's dark, it's easy to miss, you know, a little bit of um, uh, tape dangling from a lamppost or a tree. There's the odd arrow as well. Um, but you've got to remember your bridge crossings because if you if you forget your bridge crossings, you might be on the Thames, but you might be on the wrong side of the Thames. Um, so I had to now that I was on my own, I had to be a lot more you know, vigilant. 
Um, but that was Whitchurch. Whitchurch uh, ticked off at 67 miles. And I uh, was really starting to hurt. Um, I got to um, 71 miles. That was Streetly. And my knee was killing my hamstring on that same side was killing on my left my right ankle was really giving me a lot of jip and my lower part of my right shin um, I think a lot of this was just due to time on feet that I hadn't trained uh, just enough you know just just for this Im massive impact all of a sudden and uh, all that fast walking I think it sort of done me anyway uh, I don't think it made a massive amount of difference I still would have been hurting um, but um Anyway, I was sort of plodding on in the darkness, um, but I'd say between uh, 71 miles and uh, 77 miles, uh, that's where I sort of started to struggle. There was, just as you get near Wallingford, that's a 77 mile mark, there's uh, about a four mile-ish stretch of woods. Now, these are up and down, up and down. There isn't much um, sort of uh, descent on the Thames Path itself. Uh, in fact, the whole race, I think there's only a, a sort of thousand or so metres, uh, I may have got that wrong, maybe a thousand feet, uh, sort of um, ascent over the sole, sort of whole field. But that is basically done all, in my opinion, over this sort of four mile stretch. When you go into the woods, uh, it was incredibly dark, you couldn't see the moon. And so it was only the light of your head torch, very narrow path uh, with quite a drop on one side and sort of always stingers or, you know, trees or a bank on the other side. And um, incredibly up and down, up and down. Um, the down bits were killing my knee, absolutely destroyed me. There were some bits I really struggled to get down. Uh, it was in the middle of these woods where, with no warning at all, my torch, my head torch just went black and I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. Um, I desperately scrabbled for my um, uh, backup torch and uh, quickly put that on. And I thought, look, will I be able to run another few miles with my backup torch? Um, because my eyesight, I thought, I don't know how I'm going to be able to change out the batteries. Uh, I thought I'm going to struggle. Um, so I sort of carried on for about 20 minutes uh, with my hand torch and I thought then I thought to myself look if my hand torch fails because I've used it quite a lot um, and I don't I hadn't even put fresh batteries in before the race I'd, I'd got fresh batteries in my pack but the torch uh, God knows what it what sort of battery life it had left in it and I thought if this goes my only option for safety is to sit down on the trail and wait for the next runner and that could be uh, who knows who knows how long you know could be sort of 40 50 minutes easily um so i attempted to change my uh head torch batteries uh, i had my normal torch in my mouth and my eyesight my, my sort of um near eyesight is awful um far eyesight is brilliant uh so i don't wear glasses apart from sort of reading really um and this is age related, I, I guess. Um, but I changed out these um, head torch batteries um, when I, I got it right first time. And it was a small victory <laughs> because at this stage, I it was feeling like a lot had been going wrong. And um, so that was a real big 
victory for me um, to get this. I knew then I could certainly get through these woods and uh, maybe even the rest of the night actually at this stage uh, with these fresh batteries. So I was I was super pleased about that. So I pushed on. Um, now the miles come and went. Um, as it got light in the morning, um, I'd sort of hoped that the sunrise would bring me uh, fresh, a fresh feel, fresh legs, you know, powered up by the sun. But it actually gave me the opposite. Um, now, instead of only being able to see sort of 15 feet in front with the head torch, I could just see endless, endless amounts of t sort of distance. Um, we'd sort of come just sort of, it was running adjacent to the Thames, but not that close. So you couldn't really see the Thames. And it just seemed to be field after field after field. And you, you sort of get nowhere. Now, up to the uh, next checkpoint, I had, I'd say, about 15 people past me um, doing a mixture of, you know, sort of speed, uh, walking, yomping, or sort of really nice sort of slow uh, sort of jog. And most of them asked me if I was okay. Uh, I guess when you're getting like this, you realise you're not looking so good. <laughs> um I was all over the path at one stage, um, probably looked a bit like a drunk. Uh, I'd got my, my quads were giving me a lot of jip, my hips were really hurting, um, as well as obviously, you know, my knee, ankle and uh, hamstring. Um, and I was getting low. Um, usually in these long distance races, I can sort of pull on, uh, my strengths, my um, willpower, you know, in the last sort of um, quarter of the race, that's where I go to sort of, um, you know, sort of a few sort of mental tricks that I sort of pull out the bag um, and uh, will, me to, will me on, you know, when my strengths run out, I think, right, okay, tap into the sort of willpower. In this race, because of my lack of training and my injury prior to the race, I'd sort of dipped into that willpower so early that by the time I got to the final bit I, I really didn't have anything left to to go and get um, I, I'd used up everything I had and um, like I say I'd say a good 15 probably 20 people passed me on the stretch into uh, I think it was Wallingford uh, which was 77 miles and um yeah they all look they all look better than me but when I, I was getting close to this aid station and i turned a corner in this uh, street and i saw the centurion flags and i thought brilliant and that's where uh about five guys were standing outside uh, all centurion marshals and you could tell by the look on their face when they looked at me that they thought i was absolutely done in um, I was trying to sort of do a jog. Uh, I, I think I was struggling at the time to do a 20 minute mile. Uh, that's how slow I was actually going. Uh, I was really in a bad way. Anyway, I got to this aid station. Uh, guy came up to me 
uh, Gareth, I now know his name because I've got him on Facebook, he said to me, what, what, what do you want? And I, and I asked him, uh, right, okay, can I have the bottles? Uh, can you fill my bottles up? He took my bottles, filled them up. He came back to me really quickly. Uh, I said, how long am I ahead of the sweeper? And he said, about 50 minutes before the sweeper. Once the sweeper comes past you, that's it. You, you're sort of out of the race. He said, you're still up 50 minutes. At this stage, it was only 77 miles. So I, I still, you know, almost had a marathon to go. And the speed I was doing, I was trying to calculate how fast I needed to run against how fast I could run. Um, at that stage, I said, right, I'm off. There were still 15 or 20 people actually in that aid station, all runners, who were sitting down, having a cup of tea, having a rest. I later found out that although they'd actually gone past me, certainly physically looking better than myself, they all quit in that aid station. And when I said, right, I'm off, I'd only spent literally about a minute there, and I ran out. The guys, the marshals were outside. I'll never forget the look on their face. When they saw me, actually, I was the last in and first out of all the runners. All of their mouths literally dropped. Uh, later on, they, I, I sort of spoke to one of them and he said, we couldn't believe when you left. He said, our money was on the fact that you would not leave. And, uh, and I'd said to him that I'm, I, I will never give up. Um... That's just a personal battle I was having with myself. I would not give in. Probably silly. A lot of these guys had probably made the right decision that it wasn't their day and they were doing damage to their body. Um, my mind wouldn't let me give up, no matter what damage I was doing. I know that's silly, um, but that was the way I was, and, and, I, and I pushed on. Um, when I got around the corner, I don't mind saying, because I knew I'd then put myself into running another uh, nine miles, the next checkpoint or so, I did break down in tears. I, I just thought you've been in so much pain and now you're taking more on. Um, so I went for a bit of a sort of pity party, you know, um, sort of mile or two Um and after that, I knew I wasn't going to get to the finish. I knew I was going to be paced out. Um, and I phoned my wife and um, I actually sort of, I said to her, sorry, I'm not going to make it. And of course, she, she doesn't need my apologies, but I was really sorry. And especially because my son, a lot of people have told me that you won't run, be able to finish this race. You, you shouldn't go into it. You're being stupid. And the one person who... Well, there was a couple of people that sort of never doubted me. And the one person who never doubts me is my son. And he, he said, I believe you can do it, Daddy. You can do anything. And that had gone through my head for the last few hours, that driving me on that I didn't want to let this little boy down. And I was just so sorry that I'd let him down. You know, this felt much more than it was. This wasn't just a race. This was about a dad letting his boy down. Ah, oh, and that's why I, 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 it, it was a big thing for me to admit that I wasn't going to make it. I couldn't make it. I, no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't push on. And it, I just dr kept driving myself, driving on. But I just, no matter how hard I pushed, 
I just couldn't do the speed required. Um, I was almost fainting at this time. I could feel myself sort of almost fainting. And uh, I found in one of my pockets loads of dark chocolate that I'd sort of got from a previous you know, aid station. So I stuffed loads of that in my mouth just to sort of stop myself from passing out. Um, but I pushed on and pushed on and pushed on. But my speed was absolutely pathetic. <laughs> it really was. Um, the sweeper eventually caught me. Uh, around about 81, 82 miles. Um, and he was a lovely guy. Uh, Garfield, there was Gareth and Garfield. Um, I found out, them, you know, found them since on Facebook and thanked them. They were so nice to me, um, so helpful, so caring, really anxious about my well-being. Uh, we found a seat. And I said to him, look, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, you know, taking your time up. You've got a job to do. And he said, no, no, no. He said, you are my job. I can push on. I can get back on, on the sweeper duties easily. He said, I'm fresh. I haven't ran, you know. He said, you are my job. And they, they got me to put all my clothing on. And then they, they rang up the race director, James, one of the race directors, and, uh, phoned him and said look we can't get to the next checkpoint and then James said no no problem and he, they came and picked me up um so the marshals for this event and the and the I just can't say too much about them they were amazing if you're ever going to do an ultra uh choose centurion um you know events they are brilliant they are brilliant um so they gave me a you know lift to the finish um, at the finish, God blimey, I could barely walk. Uh, there was a small clubhouse near the finish. Of course, people were still sort of finishing, so I could see them, the joys of these people, um, you know, as they were finishing their hundred. It was hard to see. It was, it was sort of hard to see these people. Uh, I was pleased for them, but at the same time, I was still wrestling with myself. Did I give enough? I know I did, but I still... I still sort of questioned it, but they there's a clubhouse near the finish in um, Oxford, and they literally uh, lifted me in because <laughs> there was about three steps, and um, I couldn't get in. I uh, couldn't lift my feet off the ground. That was my hips, and everything hurt. Everything hurt, and I, I was shaking. I got sort of a bit of a. Um, uh, I, I was beginning to um, get really, really sort of cold. And, uh, yeah, they, they, you could tell they were a bit worried about me. Uh, but they helped me in. Um, I got sat down. Uh, they gave me some hot hot food. I can't remember what the food was. Um, but it was a big, big sort of hot pot, you know, of, of sort of, there was a vegetarian option. And, and so I, you know, obviously didn't have that. Um, but, um, sorry, guys. But, uh, yeah, so I had a, I can't remember what it was. Um, but um, I had some of that and, and had a hot cup of tea. My hands were shaking too much for me to actually drink the tea. So I'd just thrown it all over myself. And that's when I saw my friend Rick. Uh, he was already there. Um, him and uh, Alex had have to drop out a little bit before uh, myself. Uh, I did feel guilty about leaving them, but the way their 
speed walking was working for them it was killing me so I had to leave them I did feel guilty about that but I knew Alex was in good hands you know with Rick he's a good guy and I knew she'd be safe with him so I, I you know I wasn't I, I felt a bit guilty but but you know that that sort of um, eased it a little um, but yeah like I say Rick was already there and that was like like I say I'd never known him, known him before the race start it was like seeing an old friend and um, so we really caught up a lot in that race uh, after the, after the race um, I phoned my wife I said look because my mum had wanted to come to the finish as well so I said to her look I'm at the finish now don't don't, just come, tell my mum not to come, you know, she's not going to see a grand finish, um, but she, she, they all still wanted to come, so my wife, my son and my mum come, my daughter was staying at a friend, all this running malarkey gets on her nerves I think, um, but um, so they came, they were there sort of ever so quickly, um, despite it being quite a drive from Northampton to Oxford, uh, I, I think I'd passed the time with my head on the table, eating and just chatting to Rick, and um, so my wife came, gave me a big hug. My lad had drawn a, made a little poster for me, um, saying that I was a great runner on it. Um, now I didn't get my buckle. He got a buckle for this one, a nice shiny Centurion buckle. I didn't get it. And I've agreed with my wife that my ultras and marathons are going to stop for a while because literally over the last two years I have been running myself into the ground. Uh, not much running with joy there, Peter. So I'm on a bit of a semi-retirement. However, I gained a lot of valuable experience during this run. If I'd been fit, would I have finished? You bet you I'd have finished. That shiny buckle, that shiny silver buckle would have been mine by now. Do I know how to train now? Yes, I do. Lots of sort of high tempo walking um for when it gets tough through the night train through forests you know at night uh i do night shifts so i can go for a run after a night shift doesn't matter what the speed is just get them miles in your legs i need to go back to basics though and build a good foundation i need to be so, so sort of more like pilates strength building so that's what i'm going to do in the next year i'm going to strength build i'm going to get more um supple um certainly getting a lot more bendy um this is what i need i need to recover i've been grinding myself down for a long time now um so it's it's time for the body and the mind to heal i've sort of got a two don't tell the wife but i've got a two-year plan to go back and do this event um i haven't sort of told her yet so that'll be interesting plus you have to do qualifying events to sort of enable you to even go into the event so i've got to do sort of a, a strong 50 or 100k race um yeah that's going to be me for the next while i'm going to build i'm going to build a strong foundation and i will be back so I'll sign off now. Sorry it's been a long one. Hope there hasn't been too many errs. I'm sure there has. I really apologise for that. I know it's horrible listening to. And, um, yeah, run with joy, Peter. Look after yourself. Try and do a few more podcasts. We love listening to you, even if you're rambling about anything. It doesn't matter. Just take us out for a run with you occasionally. And, um, yeah, so I'm signing off. I will be in touch with what's going on. Uh, I'm not going to disappear. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, I'm going to try a few short runs where hopefully I will be running with joy.
Bye bye. There's a world full of place.